RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Track Files, Episode 16, Draft Memo from Gene Roddenberry to Jerry Eisenberg, Part 1, Circa July 1976. This episode of The Trek Files is sponsored by the official Star Trek Starships XL Editions, large format ships officially authorized by CBS Studios. Subscribe today and get the USS Voyager for 20% off and with free shipping. For details, visit st-starshipsxl.com slash thetrekfiles. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Hello once again, Star Trek fans, background buffs, and yes, you Trekophiles with an F. We've got a really interesting uh, mega document this week. In fact, we're doing something for the first time. We're going to take this document and split it into three parts. So this week is part one of a three-part series. Uh, I'm thrilled to have we have a different guest for each segment, even better. But moreover, this is the kind of thing that makes the Trek Files so special. Who knows if there's another copy of this memo existing in the universe. This week we have the memo that newly, if not dethroned, then, uh, then lowered in rank Gene Roddenberry, a chastened Gene Roddenberry, was having to make way for his baby Star Trek being left alive, kept alive as a new movie, the god thing that he tried to produce was not accepted by the studio in the 70s in the vast time between the original series and the animateds and the final comeback that started things off, the motion picture onto the track we know today. In those fallow times, we had the project known as the god thing that was finally went down and then the project known as Planet of the Titans. Paramount hired a new producer, Jerry Eisenberg, to work with Gene on this project with a director, Phil Kopman, and two new writers to write a script. Gene was not in the sole driver's seat. And this week's document, <laughs> we're going to split it up. It's so meaty. It's so amazing. Is Gene's attempt to meet Jerry Eisenberg and let him know the real scoop on all things Star Trek. And it's a lot more than just a script page. All the actors are in pretty good condition, with the exception of Jimmy Doohan. I have no doubt that a talk with Doohan's agent or with Doohan himself will see some quick changes there. Yes, they all look older, but almost every other actor is down somewhere near original weight, which means that body and facial structures are close to the audience memory of the characters, and makeup can bring them quite easily within the acceptable range of a couple of years older than the TV series. If Dewan doesn't lose his weight, I think he should still be used. Although I would never even hint as much to Dewan, there could be an acceptable explanation that the Starship Scottish engineer simply imbibed too much scotch over the last couple of years since we last saw him. A part of his original characterization was just such a love for scotch. The fact that he is heavier now might even yield some interesting moments in the hands of good writing and direction. Star Trek fans, you asked for bigger ships, and now you've got bigger ships. The official Star Trek Starships XL editions from Eagle Moss are twice as large as the standard models. Officially authorized by CBS Studios, each iconic ship is die-cast and hand-painted, 
and each comes with an in-depth magazine featuring production artwork, highlights of the ship's history, design, and a breakdown of the technology on board, along with crew and weapons. Start your collection today with the 10-inch XL Edition USS Voyager for only $59.95 with free shipping. New models ship every other month for the same low price with free shipping, and you may cancel your subscription at any time. For details and to order, visit st-starshipsxl.com slash thetrekfiles. Go big with the official Star Trek Starships XL editions at st-starshipsxl.com slash thetrekfiles. Wow. You know, there are behind-the-scenes documents, and then there are behind-the-scenes. So joining me today to look at this awesome, awesome document that uh, spans many topics here as Gene tries to get a handle and get an in with his new shared producer status uh, with Jerry Eisenberg, is my good friend and often co-host here on the show, and you know him from Mission Log, John Champion. Pleasure to be here as always. And yeah, this document is chock full. Uh, There is so much here and there are so many handwritten notes on top of this. Um, And I I feel like we're just going to scratch the surface right now, specifically talking about Gene's vision for the cast of this upcoming reboot of Star Trek. About the most human aspect of a Star Trek and a Star Trek revival that you could have. You're yeah. getting to the nitty-gritty, the part most people associate with Star Trek. Right, right. Those faces. And I think it's very important to point out that, uh, so this was written, we think, around July of 1976, right. right when Jerry Eisenberg was brought in by Paramount to be a producer on this movie. Gene, as you said in your introduction, has kind of been knocked down a peg or two in rank. Um But his idea is that this is a story that takes place only a couple of years after Mm -hmm. TOS had wrapped up. So they're on their five-year mission. We only got three years of that five-year mission. Then you have the animated series. And this movie, boy, it just picks right up. So nothing has changed since the original series. It's it's funny that... uh you know, he's talking about a couple of years since the original series, and yeah. he's, he's right. They'll all they can all pass for that. But that meme of a couple of years passing with like it, every new iteration of an idea until the motion picture is finally born remained at a couple of years after the original series until and ten years it actually got. Yeah, by. as you say, then the motion picture comes out in seventy nine, <laughs> a full ten years after Star Trek went off the air, and still, according to the official Star Trek timeline, that story is only a couple of years after the original (laughs) series. It's not until you get to the Wrath of Khan that they fast forward a little bit and say, okay, okay, here's the stuff that was taking place a little later. Now the actors have aged into the roles that we are asking them to play. Right. And and just let's also refresh where this is actually uh, uh, falling in the overall timeline. So it's 1976. We have already... Had obviously the end of the original series. Gene has had his uh, Genesis 2 slash Planet Earth development time. Quester was developed. That was 72, 73, 74. Mm-hmm. Then uh, we had the uh, the God Thing development uh, sessions. Th- those years from 75, uh, rejected in, in uh, August of 75. John Povel comes in. They resubmit it. It's rejected again in June 76. So 
going forward. Yeah. <laughs> we've yeah. been there, done that. Now yeah. it's like it's Paramount saying, we want a Star Trek. Let's go this route. Right. And again, we are a year before Star Wars. Yeah. We are still in the great, unwashed, no hurry to do science fiction. This is all totally on the terms of Star Trek and how, po- how uh, popular will it be? Is it worth bringing back in some form on some budget? And uh, at the moment, this is going to be a slightly bigger movie with a new uh, producer, director, and writer coming in that's not in particularly all in Gene's purview. And again, overall, he's just buddying up to, mm-hmm. to you know, no matter what the suits tell you, no matter what the PR guys <laughs> tell you, no matter what the merchandise people tell you, let me give you the real skinny on all of Star Trek. And he starts off. We'll get to all of that yeah. in the next two weeks. But he starts right off with uh, the, sk- <laughs> the skinniest of them all, yeah. uh, the most down deep, the most, uh, the most personal a- angle of it is, is his actors. Yeah, yeah. And, and he really, he, you know, he's showing insight into his understanding of kind of the magic of Star Trek. And it's not just mm-hmm. about the main cast. It's not just about Kirk, Spock, McCoy. Of course, he does say, look, you can't kill off Kirk. Spoiler, this is one of the ideas that was in that script right, early right, on right. was killing off Kirk, and then the movie proceeds after that. So he says, look, he, uh, Kirk is as essential to the Enterprise as the bridge or the transporter room or anything else. He is part of that ship. Then he says, you know, the, 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 it's this ineffable magic of having that cast, and the fans are just as invested in the secondary characters as they are the main cast. Right. So you have to have everybody back, no matter what. Take it a step further, it's those tertiary characters mm-hmm. as well. He mentions Mark Leonard. He mentions Arlene Martell uh, as Dupring. Dupring and says, "You've look, fans love these characters. You have to have some of these people back. He mentions Grace Lee Whitney. Yeah. So, yeah. so if there was any perceived, you know, animosity there, uh, she was a huge hit on the fans. Mm-hmm. You've got, again, this is 1976. The fans, the, the conventions caught people off guard in 72, but by 76, Four years is an eternity. Now, they're not just in New York, L.A., Chicago, there are conve- uh, Houston. There are conventions all over the country. Mm-hmm. People are scrambling for the actors to come. People are – part of the reason why the recurring and guest stars uh, are there, it's still a new thing to – oh, my God, I got to see so-and-so from Star Trek in person. Well, yeah. who can you afford? Who can, who can they afford to have come to – you know, to Denver, to Houston, to Dallas, to Baltimore, to wherever. Right. Well, and, and so they're utilizing all of those actors at, at whatever the pecking order of of, mm-hmm. of the fee structure is, to be totally blunt about it. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's still hands-on Star Trek. You walk those stages. You said those lines. I've watched you 47 times in reruns <laughs> do that, that character. And in those early, early magical, thrilling, anything is possible, we love the show, plus we're going to bring it back, damn it. Yeah. You know, that was fandom. And, yeah. um and that, but that led into G. This reading this again reminds me of the fight, even with the animated series. Yeah, they, they could. Yeah. He, they had to fight to get uh, Sulu and Nichelle in, uh, to George and Nichelle in, and yeah. Sulu and Uhura. They lost Walter's checkoff due to budget. Yeah, so it's almost like he is refighting the. He doesn't want to let those arguments creep in at all. Those mm-hmm. attitudes. Mm-hmm. He's going to fight for everybody and. And as many of those guest stars as possible, but which, now, which is very cool because you do hear stories about, and, and and not that those stories are false, but you do hear about some uh, uh, antagonism, some hurt feelings, uh, uh, producer versus actor, actor versus producer, mm-hmm. all of this stuff that sounded the, the behind the scenes drama. But at the end of the day, Gene absolutely knows that part of what makes Star Trek work is this cast. And he doesn't want to go ahead without that cast. 
Right. Well, I, it's not in one of these uh, key sections, but somewhere in here he mm-hmm. says, look, anytime I'm with, out in the public, he's mm-hmm. like, it's not the Trekkies, it's not the teenagers, it's not the token. If I'm out with uh, hotel clerks or airline gate attendants or, mm-hmm. or anywhere out in public and they see my name and they ask me, we talk about a new Star Trek, and they say, oh, is everyone from the original cast going to be in it? Right. He makes a point to mention that that's what he hears from you know right. the unaffected the the uh, the armchair fans right. of that time. Well, now let, let's talk about this thing with Jimmy Doohan <laughs> because it, here's the thing: it it could come across as a slight or or as in poor taste. I want to make sure that our audience right. knows that that is right. not the intention he's, of that, and that is not Gene's intention. He's being here hardcore either. casting and being yeah. honest about it. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he wants this movie to look like the show that he loves, and he wants the audience to perceive. He's saying, "Okay, we we want everybody to look the same. They're not that far off. Everybody kind we can of get away with the same being two years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, we can say that. I mean, here, here it is, seventy six. It's okay. It's seven years right. since the original series ended. We can kind of make them pass. Of course, in his mind, it's everybody in the same gold and red and blue uniforms, right. and it looks very much in his mind's eye." Like TOS. He's thinking about the tailoring on those uniforms. Yep. For that. Yep. No, Monster Maroons are 10 years away. Way, away. way far away. <laughs> yeah. Um, so th- this is what's in his mind's eye. And James Doohan, it, it needs to be reiterated that he and Jimmy were friends. I was going to say, yeah. yeah, Work, yeah. Uh, working yeah. on the Connor Rath, gotten mm-hmm. to go Wendy Doohan very well. Of course, Wendy was his second wife, but mm-hmm. she's talked a lot about how close the Dewins and the Roddenberries were. Yeah. So that's, you know, in fact, I would, sitting here ticking it off in my mind, I would bet you that of all the main cast, that the Dewins were the closest to the, I mean, Jimmy Dewan was the closest of the yeah. cast. Well, they Jimmy. hung out together. Yeah. There's yeah. pictures of them they boating co- yes. together. And, and that there's not they really. They partied, they boated, they went to events together. Yeah. 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 It's not really a relationship that he had with the other cast He's members. just being bluntly yeah. factual here. Yeah. And then, of course, as any good producer was, much less a friend of Jimmy's, he says, let's use it. Yeah. Let's use it in the writing. <laughs> right. Let's make it a story point. Right, right. Which they kind of, you know, fast forward to later and later and later with Scotty. Right. Argue as you might about the direction that they took with certain characters, liberties they took, comedy maybe uninvited <laughs> with those characters. But as yeah, the but then, then they play up things about their age and and about kind of getting too old for this, and that that happens. Right. Well, no, that yeah. was just that that yeah. was kind of unavoidable. That yeah, was the yeah, six hundred yeah. pound gorilla in the room as yeah. far as yeah. using. That was the argument for using you know because every turn. By the fourth and fifth movie, we had the the effort to do a, a Star Trek uh, Academy mm-hmm. movie with younger actors, and people were starting to confront the fact of when is it time to recast? No, you can't. These are icons; you can't recast them. Right. And then the whole premise of the next generation being eighty years down the line. It's not a it's not a reboot, as we would say today. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. which again set that whole paradigm for how we wind up, you know, for another twenty thirty years of Trek and yeah. and the chronology. But yes, everything he's saying here about Jim was just dealing with a practical problem, and mm-hmm. and uh. Far be it from being impersonal, uh, dealing with it in a very personal way yeah. and in yeah. a humorous way and in a way that makes sense. But this other section also then about guest stars here uh, yeah. <laughs> where he's this. thinking and, – and look, that's what they wound up doing in several of the movies. But he's saying let's get our original cast, but sure, let's get some motion picture names. Yeah, and who's um, the top of his list? Yeah. And in a time, you know, the the, uh, the streaming, the the uh, cinematic TV has blurred this line so much. Yeah. But boy, 
up until 10, 15, 20 years ago, you had movie actors and you had TV actors. Yeah. And he's very much trying to get a movie name in to, to marquee this and, and, and make the, people know it's not a glorified – it's not a Batman 66 movie. Right, you know? right. And the first name that pops up for him is Sir Lawrence Olivier. Olivier, yes. Wow. Why not okay. go there? All right. Well, All you know, right. they had uh, they had Dame Judith uh, Dame Judith in Star Trek. Sure, I mean, sure, it was a, sure, it was sure. a yeah, it was a meme that they uh, used all the way, which is interesting because it's exactly what George Lucas did. Yeah, yeah. Well, Star Wars. Did, did a you year see, later, though, uh, after that line where he mentions uh, Sir Lawrence Olivier, he has actually crossed out the line asking about oh. Rex Harrison. Yes, <laughs> and I wonder why. I don't know what Rex Harrison looks like now. Yeah, well, but he just crossed that out. Yeah, uh, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get to that when we get to. It. Let's yeah. just throw out Larry, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll see how he's doing. <laughs> Sir Larry, Sir yes. Larry. We'll we'll see how he's doing, and if we don't get him, okay, then I'll mention Rex Harrison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it's it's but it's you know these are all practical considerations. But yeah. again, this is Gene Roddenberry look to Jerry Eisenberg. Mm-hmm. I'm the guy. That let, let me let me let you in on my secret Star Trek world from yeah. A to Z. Yeah. You know, all yeah. these aspects. It's a lot more than just uh, commissioning writers and getting sets built. Yes. You know, and yes. dealing with a uh, promotion and marketing. He's taking him by the hand and he's not going to let go. No, he's, he's making it very clear. Like I'm here to help. But this is mine, and I am the authority on this. Here, let me yeah. help you so you get it straight from me. Yes, yes. yes. So um, I, I'm so excited about this. This is only the first of three episodes mm-hmm. about this one memo because it is such a look into Gene's uh, state of mind at the time and what he was excited about and the, the kind of the battles that he was fighting at the time. All in this lead up, this this murky area of the mid seventies before we got a Star Trek right. the motion picture. Murky being a good word. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. Uh, so you can see this part, and ultimately after the third episode, the full set of this memo at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. Yes. I'm, I'm, this deserve, and we'll have some in the future, that deserve not to be traipsed through in one sitting, but mm-hmm. we really want to get, get all through this. 1976, it's such a... We see all these years are pivotal years. They all are pivotal years. And uh, this was the last year before Star Wars changed everything and uh, added a whole new level to the drama surrounding Star Trek's comeback. So, yes, it's, it's a wonderful... Um, Honest and fresh. And you know what? No one has ever seen this before now. Uh, so I hope everybody's appreciating this inside look. So it's exciting to go through this, to, to get this out of the world, to get fandom and, and film historians talking about this. Uh, and next week and the week after that, I'm so thrilled that we'll have none other than Dorothy Fontana and then the great Doug Drexler, makeup artist, visual effects, graphic artist, Oscar Emmy winner. <laughs> Fanboy himself, <laughs> no stranger to this audience. Uh, we'll have Dorothy and Doug in the next two weeks breaking down even more of this memo that is so wide ranging as Gene, yes, takes little baby Star Trek producer Jerry Eisenberg by the hand and I- introduces him to the real <laughs> Trek land of 1976. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Additional production by Ken Ray. All documents are available at facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. For more great podcasts, check out podcast.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek, that's me, and Portal 47 at larrynimacek.com.
podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.